You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and we're in Kilrush in the Museum of Rural Life and Joe Whelan is here and Joe is the I'll tell you straight off come in the door and what you're dealing with is a man who has passion about what he is doing and involved in and we're going to share in some of that passion Joe thanks a million Thank for you. allowing us to come and be here with you Joe we're, we're going to the bog we're going to the bog now tough but cutting two different ways in the bog. There was breast cutting, which didn't happen around here. That's the breast cutting stand there, the hunt. Very light. And you, you put it parallel to the ground when you're cutting it, whereas these, you go vertically downwards. And that's why just the shorter handles. Yeah. All right, now, now, so the breast cut, you're looking at a handle about the size of a sledgehammer. These stands here have uh, are unusual from the point of when we implied people cutting tough yeah. they cut tough generally with the right foot on the treadle this is the treadle here yeah. but a lot of those people would go to England in the winter time yeah. when the tough was cut and they'd go on the beef campaigns and they'd go in the potato campaigns so the, the potatoes were October and the beef was later so when they were there they uh, got used to working with their the equipment in England is all we call them lift footers excuse the term we won't go into that in depth they cut here with the lift foot right but when those teams came back from England to cut the tough the following year yeah. they were like transient migrant uh, transient labour yeah. especially from Mayo and Galway and Connemara area and Donegal right up the coast not that much from Clare or Kerry but they came back and they couldn't cut the tough tough was cutting teams of three three cutting and three spreading right so you'd cut from the top down here with your right foot but when the lads came back from England they'd have to start another bank of tough and cut from the other end <laughs> now there's another thing that was very important when the handles were put on the slawn The handle wasn't parallel with the with the wing to be back about five or six or ten degrees maybe. And the reason for your knuckles would be getting cut in the bank of tough that was cut and dry already and could cut your knuckles. Right. So the man that put a handle in the slot had to know what he was doing here. That, that inclined in ten or fifteen degrees. Right. To right cutting his knuckles. Now this here is a black bog oak table. Have you see the way that is bent and twisted? Yeah. These are more or less Cooper's equipment here for making barrels. Yeah. The, this is a very early form of a of an auger or a drill. And uh, these items will go back thousand, probably a thousand years. They go back to the Roman times probably. Yeah. And that the the made barrels at time. What we have here is. Uh, that shows you what, what it, it looked like to make your bricks now, see that? Brick making factory. You piled up all the, the bricks up here and put the tough under, put on your windbreaker here and set fire to the tough. And then when your bricks were made, they were put away there and attached and they were sold. You mentioned that, <coughs> you know, you, you were hoarding all your life. Yeah. Think you must have been were you picking some of this stuff up when you'd be out and, or I would but I, I, if I saw something advertised somewhere I didn't matter what it cost me right if there's a way I'd go and buy it yeah 
So I'd have an eye for anything that's rare. So would you have gone to farm auctions or where would you? I would if 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 some antique dealer was selling something that was a long time in business, I'd go to that. Right. I wouldn't go to sell a bit of modern. And some yeah. of the stuff that you were interested in, of course, was probably stuff nobody else was interested in. Well, I'd be looking for stuff that was related to agriculture, related yeah. to what we were doing ourselves. I mean, those wooden hay forks there, for example. Yeah. That, that thing could be seven or eight hundred years old. Right. I know the other one is about 150 years old. Yeah. Uh, this one here, the hay rack, was I probably a hundred years yeah. old. Yeah. Now, I'm curious about number three over there. Oh yeah. So everyone that comes in here is curious about number three. Number three, number is three. Like, uh, it's the best way to describe it. The, it's a sh- shovel head, but the top of the shovel is probably fifteen inches, and the both what fifteen inches in the toe as well. Fifteen by fourteen as well. Yeah. Right? Now, when the bogs were divided, as I said, most of the bogs belong to the landlords. Right. So the bogs were divided here into thirties or forties, probably. Large bogs, maybe thousands of acres. The landlords hadn't much value on the bogs. Because when Cromwell came here, he put a valuation on every acre of land on the ground. Right. Whether it could grow wheat, oats, or barley. But bog couldn't grow anything. It was insignificant. Yeah. So they would like people to settle in the bogs in the other times. Now, when when the land commissioner or, or whatever institution, the state, I forget exactly what it was, divided the bogs. Every every chimney of your house got a flat of ground that maybe half an acre or an acre. Okay. Now what they do, an engineer being charged, so he'd measure out your plot. Generally parallel to the road or at a right angle to the road. So, if there was a road, but they'd be tractor anyway. So they dig a pyramid up at the top, at the four corners, and two men would handle that. And they dig a pyramid and turn it right upside down. Those pyramids are still in the bog, and you'll often see a fern grown where they deposit its, its, uh, its uh, extract on top of that, and you might, you'll see a fern growing it. If you look at a lot of virgin bog today right. that hasn't been used, you see this is lumps in it. And it's all sort of bud set and you'll see something growing in it because it's dry. Now, they pull the wing of this, gla- of this down along in like a plough, two men, and they turn and it's just flat like it will plough the field. Right. So the bog would be very soft, an animal would go down, but two men with Wellingtons on them could turn that. That's what that is. Right. It's a real item. Right. Right. Um, so, again, I'm looking at all the stuff you have, and you say it's um, while. Well, where, how, where's the strangest place you had to go to get what? Like, where oh, I'll tell you. I, I saw an, ad, a, a, an item advertised in, in Derry at Nockins, Linda Farmer Journal. And it was an item for. Cutting the binch of dung. You don't remember the binch of dung at the back of every cow house or farm? No. When in the winter time, the dung would be turned out and turned out and turned out. The next thing to be up to the height of the, the door. So it had to be moved. They kept moving it out and then they made a nice square dung, like a, a reek of turf or a reek of hay. And uh, as I said, the temperature always remained high in that. So when it came to putting that dung out, it was very difficult to pull it apart with a four-pound fork. 
So they'd use hay knives to cut the bench of them. Do you know these lumps we spoke about for the blackbirds and the thrush? Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and they had these spread as soon as the, 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 the weather was permissible if you could travel to that. So that is a, uh, came from a landlord's house for cutting the bench of them, number five. And it's a very rare piece of equipment. Uh, if I remember rightly, I gave 300 pounds for that 10 years ago. Uh-huh. But I travelled to get it. Yeah, yeah. And, wait, and I waited all day for that auction when it came up. And was there interest in it other? There were, but that's when went three hundred quid. I, was, I know, like yeah, this. for twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, you've numbers on a lot of stuff here as well. So, uh, have you got around to cataloguing them in such a way that? Well, they're, they're all shown here. What number five is? Right. No, I. I as far as the general catalogues concerned, no. No, yeah. I got hope to do it sometime. Yeah, yeah. Because there's such a treasure trove here that you couldn't, like, you couldn't come in here. And even looking at the numbers, look at the stuff. You'd need to be coming in here for a, for a week. Yeah. Now, Joe, one of the things about the, if what's here, and there's wonderful words that we'll talk about, because on Tonga Gaelga, on Tonga Bio, a slon for cutting turf. And an awful lot of the things that are here have terms as Gaelga that are so descriptive and unique as well. We pronounce that like Shlan. Yes. Not Shlan or Shlain in different days, but we pronounce it like Shlan. And a lot of our pronunciations here are, we're trying to bring the, the Irish back into it. But the, the English words are, are more slangy and, and, and uh, so forth. Ours are our own. Now there's the, the Berene. Yeah, that's it. And it was very interesting because you, you lit it and then you could change it and you could widen it and you could get three extra width, 45 degree angles to the wall. Now, what we have here is the inside of our own farm house at home. Oh. My father and mother, as I said, were both American citizens. And when they came back, they had no electricity or running water or any facilities, no bedrooms. So we were all washed in this bed here. You put your bare of sunlight soap into it and you aerated it with that hot, you'd buy 12 gallon pot of water here into that. For the jacuzzi? Yeah, and each, each child was washed in that. And there were six of us in the family and the last fellow, the, the, the water was thrown out with him. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what when happened, that's what happened when, to me. When your mass exceeded the side of the bed then, <laughs> and you were getting into being teenagers or whatever. Yeah. You were sent to the river, winter and summer, to wash yourself before you went to mass on a Sunday morning. Right, right. Hail, rain or snow, you went to the river, totally naked, with a hundred yards from the back of the house. Yeah. Frost and snow with no shoes on you. No, I came. And you learned to be hard, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I came from a privileged background. Our, our bath was kind of. Uh, at the end of the time, it was three times the size of that. That was the problem with the upper castle. They had better facilities. <laughs> but you need. Oh, yeah, but this is. <laughs> you, need, you needed more water because. What, you, you had a, a. How many? You had a four, three ringed stove here. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> See that? We so, never had anything with that. That was my father and mother died they were ninety four and ninety three and uh, they never wanted any change. Never wanted a change. They, they had a bathroom eventually but they, they wanted no change. So we, 
we got together and we mapped all the stones in the house they were modernised us and we mapped everything and transferred everything here except that beam there was replaced because the one that was there was rotten the house was built in 1854 by my great grandfather and he was known as the Fenian Whalen he was involved in the Fenian movement in 1867 so everything else is all original and when President Kennedy came to Ireland that's where he's up there I was in the Garden of Honor for him I have kept the papers from that period so the papers are here and when you went into a house that time looking for a vote you'd know very quick whether it, whether it was Catholic or Protestant you'd have the facilities over there and then you'd have the Valera of Michael Collins so we were Michael Collins and we were red without supporters in actual fact and we weren't like this because we were the only people in the town and that were, we were nationalists but we were voting for uh, home rule yeah, yeah. And I, I would lay it out in such ways I can get around easy enough and yeah. I'm fascinated with this here Irish Country Living um, celebrating Jane Austen yes the land of gentry right they were there too as far as they'll always be there and that was that was a magazine from from going back to when that was uh, uh, this would be reproduced uh, this is relatively recent yeah 217 yeah yeah okay yeah, but it, it, sometimes they go back in history like this like yeah. the 1916 period yeah, yeah. and they reprint, reprint, print something. They reprint. so I <coughs> these cups they are the, the tin cups yeah. and I see the Arclough pottery yeah and then there was Cargilline pottery yeah, of course yeah. and Kilrush pottery and ceramics all oh, right oh. and when when did the 80 people here in Kilrush and how long when that did they be the Celtic pottery now was it yeah, but so a lot of that was made here in Kilrush oh. and stamped for different shops. And when, uh, where in Kilrush, and when did it close down? It it it, it opened about the 1960s, right? And it lasted until the the 90s, I say. Right. At one stage, there was 180 people in place. Yes. Oh. The German company opened it, and eventually. They, they got stuck for money and a crowd of people from Staffordshire in England took it over and they didn't last long, they cleaned it out and took all the stuff out of it Look. some of this is bad management and a, and, and a lot of it is uh, wrong people getting money the Germans would be going to run, to run factories but I don't think they got the support they needed from the government now, when I was a young lad we didn't have a chair at the table or the fireplace. We made a stool or a butter box if we were lucky. But also when you went to the table and there were six kids in our house, you'd be standing up and you'd get your, your, your cup up here. The, 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 the important people would be sitting down with kids would be standing up. We've changed that, haven't we? The kids would be sitting down or when you dare to sit in your mother or father's chair or grandmother or grandfather. That was a rule. Yeah, yeah. The um, carriage behind us. Yeah, this goes back about 200 years, and the the, the ships coming from the Americas always come to the south coast of Ireland, whether they were going to Liverpool or Cork or, or uh, London or, or uh, Southampton or Waterford. They all passed close to our coast. Right. So the, the earliest ships were uh, were uh, 
all training kits. Yeah. Before steam steam propulsion came. Yeah. And very poor mechanical steerage. Right. So the ships uh, in stormy weather would be blown ashore with their uh, cargoes, maybe timber or, or grain or or uh, whiskey or whatever. Not so much whiskey from America, so but however, there, we had land pirates in. Right. That lived along the coast and they robbed the cargo and in that case they killed the sailors. Okay. So the insurance companies were involved in this, uh, I think, lives were actually there at that time. They said something has to be done about it. So this was invented in England basically uh, how they worked. You, you fired a rocket through this angled item here. That's yeah. a, a, a First World War one, but this goes back way previous to that. And uh, there were volunteers who would be on this. And they'd fire in Ang- this fellow would have military experience. He'd fire it in England in winter's evening. Right. Because the ship with the sail would be down underneath you. Yeah. And he might fire four or five times before he actually hit the sail. So attached to the rocket would be this rope that would be turned sideways and wound in such a way as it wouldn't foul up as it fired off. Uh, rockets go back to ancient Chinese, so this, these things were there for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Right. So if you hit the sail and landed in the deck, if the, the sail was still intact in the winter's evening with a big star. Uh, there was there was language, two different, couple of different languages, and this basically to instruct you to tie this rope onto the the mast if it was still intact. And you you uh, pulled out a bigger rope then, yeah. heavy rope, and they had what it was called a breeches by. So a man would sit into it and they took each person ashore with an anchor on the ground. Sometimes this wheel would be used as an anchor here. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they'd put a, a big hole in the ground and dig a hole. There'd be 20 people in this when it went to the rescue. Right. So it weighed three tons, pulled with three kinds of horses. Now I'll give you an idea about. We loaded this for St. Patrick's Day a few years ago, and we, we loaded it with roughly the weight and pulled it. We've got two big horses to pull it. But the problem is going down a hill. The horses are going to sneeze because the tar road couldn't hold the brakes on it. Just kick along the road. Right. So it would work on conditions that were prevailing at the time, yeah. but it wouldn't work nowadays. Right. Because uh, the horses' knees got damaged. Right. Even with the brakes on, put still skeet along the road. Right. So it weighs about three ton. And uh, the 20 people that were on it each had markings on their hands, you see these? Right. So everyone had a job. As these magazines or ropes got dissipated, uh, there'd be another fellow winding the ropes. There'd be maybe four or five colours, like the big ones years ago, they'd have ropes on this, pulled it into position because the hostel would cross the cliff could be very dangerous. Yeah. So these would be pulled in with big guns. And there's the language of the Rihanna to tell the, the people how to manipulate this winch right. or this pulley into position. So that's uh, all intact. And there was only one piece missing. There's a book in that with about 52 pieces. So there was a couple of pieces missing. And I went out to Dial the Sky. I heard there was one out there. And we got, they, give, they didn't charge us and they gave us the pieces. So that's one of the items. That made up for the price you paid for the other. Pardon? That made up for the price you had to pay for the. Yeah, well, just if you if you want to fit it, complete it, you have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way out. <laughs> but uh, 
that's what that's about right so this was modernizing this was used up to the 60s and the last time one of these was used you know the Plessy ship in Darren Islands in Inishia yeah. that Plessy was up in the rocks yeah they took the contents of one of these that was based in Doolan and took it out there and took the sails off that ship with this right. system right so I think that's the last that's that the last time it was used because you right. but they were very efficient for maybe 150 years yeah. yeah now we have helicopters and we have that's right but one of these was used I mean Terry recent some years ago because the helicopter with the, the cliff was very high and the downdraft wouldn't allow the propeller to work in that area it was too dangerous so they used one of these so that's that's more recent to use I don't know if it came out of jingle or something right right any any of the continental tractors? Yeah. Any of these expensive tractors? So th- we actually sell Fint ourselves. We sell Messi Ferguson. And this was made 1936. Harry no. Ferguson designed the hydraulic lift in about 1919. Right. And the reason for it, the four tractors that were coming at that that period uh, were called widowmakers. They killed the women and uh, they killed the men, but they left the women alive. Yeah. Yeah. What they done? all dimples were trailed directly behind you and as you pull the plough if you hit an obstruction like a, a root of a tree yeah. or a stone slowly the tractor lifted up and the driver might be fast enough to touch the tractor and it came back and top you and killed you right. so Harry Ferguson came up with the idea of a three point linkage you lifted the, the plough off the ground and the tractor and the tractor and the plough became as a unit so when the tractor would go back on top of the flow, there was a linkage in the top of it, it would stop it of, uh, going back. Right. And it worked under different soil conditions, well, there were different measurements for it. This tractor here, uh, uh, my two sons bought this tractor for my 17th birthday. We had all the other tractors here. The yeah. Field range of, we were missing this one. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to England, whatever I get one of those, and, and there's two of them started laughing. They had that, that tractor in the shade hidden for two all years. Right. So it was in here the following day, so I, I was over the moon about it because they're very rare now. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, there's probably what, 20,000 now. Yeah, yeah. Rare tractor. But the problem with this tractor, it wasn't successful. It was three times the price of a Ford tractor at the time. And when you bought this tractor, you had to change all your implements, you had to buy implements to suit this tractor. Right. So if you had a Ford tractor, you could buy it for 140 or 50 quid and you could buy a plough in auction for a pound right so when you bought this you had to buy, to buy all the extra instruments so the, ch- the change over probably cost you maybe a thousand pounds and a thousand pounds was a lot of money mm-hmm. so the tactic wasn't successful it was too expensive and it was too modern so Ferguson then went to Henry Ford in America with this idea and uh, they built this, Ferguson designed this tractor for Ford and they built 300,000 of these in America. Ford built them with Ferguson's ideas and designs and uh, Ferguson sold them in America. One of them was the builder and the other was uh, the distributor. Yeah. Henry Ford died and the son continued to manufacture the tractor without Ferguson's permission. And he took him to court and he got 7 million off him in 1947. So he went into the the standard car factory in Birmingham in Coventry yeah. and they built this tractor and this tractor has 78% of the world market in 1951 think about that 78% of the world market so we had that, when I was a child we had that tractor the Ford Ferguson we had that tractor in our family right. Right. and we were driving tractors for we were 8 years we would be putting the field with a roll and 
rolling. There was no no shoes in you. So you learned all about him at an early age. Indeed. This the diesel version the same. Harry Ferguson wanted to keep his tractor as petrol because petrol was cheap. Petrol was cheap until the Suez Canal crisis came in 1956, I think it was. This tractor here is a diesel version of the same, very efficient, and again held a very high percentage of the world market. And this is the same tractor with the Perkins engine. Perkins diesels are, were very common, you know, they were very efficient. Yeah. And the next version is uh, when Matthew Harris in Canada joined with Ferguson. Ferguson was losing the map the because he had no big tractors. So Massey Harris was a worldwide organization, even though it was Canadian, it was very strong worldwide. And they were making diesel tractors with Perkins engines. So they joined up with him and they called it Massey Ferguson. Right. That's where the name comes from. Right. And that tractor there came from our own farm in 1956. And we went, uh, my brother Jackie, the eldest fellow, he's in the West Clare Railway up there. Often see him in television. He wears a beard. He uh, he went with my father to Ennis to pick up the new tractor. Right. The early ones of those were grey, but the red one came in. And the, my brother, of course, young guys and the, the, the bright colours. He says we'll take the red one instead. Yeah. And just twenty four pounds extra for the colour. <laughs> Over here you have a nest cow. Full with a nest. Yeah, and that's Harrow, which is about 1840, and up there at the top, you have a human cow. You see the two handles in it? See the two handles here? Yeah. Pulled by a human. Oh. Oh. This diagram here shows you the, 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 the movement of the lighting in our, our country. Yeah. The first one is the berine, the next one is the candle, mm -hmm. the eye lamp, the tilly lamp, and then the electricity. And it shows you the same with, with the kettles and it shows you the same with the iron saran and the clothes, you see the early iron saran and the clothes were put into the fire, you, you probably don't remember it. No. The same when, when the milking machines came. Yeah. I told you my mother sent away from the milking machine. Yeah. And she got it from Denmark in the train a couple of hundred yards from the house. Amazing, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. Stone crushes became common. A man came to our crossroads back in the 50s, sat in a bag here all day and he broke the stones for the road. There'd be a big lump of big rocks. Yeah. And these were his families. They're called the Nadines. And we'd be coming from school. So he'd have the stones broke and they'd all have to fit through shuttle that size. Well, the engineer would come at the end of the week and he'd have to measure the stones. Now, when he made these stones, and the, he'd have a lovely pyramid of stones, two feet square roughly, maybe three feet square. And we'd become young as corners for school, and we'd jump up and we'd knock him around. He only got paid for what he broke. So an engineer would come at the end of the week, and if there's a pyramid, he could measure it accurately. But if the stones were scattered, he'd come into my mind. The vagabonds were at it again last night, which we were splitting his stone. Every stone he broke was valuable to him. Yes. Yeah. We didn't know that. The word Nadine. Nadine, yeah. 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 Um, where do you I got that from a man back near Kilkee by the name of John Joe Lynch. Right. And John Joe Lynch, his father and his grandfather used to take contacts down the roads. There was a situation before the 50s. The council were down the roads in the 50s, but before the 50s, local farmers would do 
a mile or two of a road right. and they'd, they'd be priced it for every year and if they weren't doing it properly they mightn't have the contract the next year because like isn't it um, Kinmare is Nadine isn't it yeah that's correct yeah Kinmare is Nadine Osquilda. yeah so the term Nadine's this is small s alright oh, yes of course that's right yeah. yeah that's our own farmhouse at home right that's where the barn yeah the river was there the road was there and the railway was there and that was a five cross road that was a very busy cross there'd be 50 people playing football that field every evening right that was our own family there was six there but there was actually seven taken in 1950 no the poem Dick Deliver Liveler by James Shelley yes Scepter and Crown was tumbled down in the dust vehicle made with the poor crooked side and spade the American lady painted it into the wall but that's the inside of a landlord's house with the stairs crumbling down, I'll show you down yeah, there. I, I can the see the scepter. There's the crooked side, yeah. there's the crooked spade, and there's the crown. In other words, we're all equal in dust. That's right. That's, uh, yeah. that's the model of the story. Yeah. Now, now we've come upstairs just so we explain, and what we're doing up, up here, um, would you say that downstairs we very much had the theme, there's a lot of farm equipment. Am I looking at... Uh, the lighter stuff is up here, the heavier yeah. stuff will be downstairs. Okay, that makes sense too. Because yeah. I see some uh, marine stuff here, and aeronautical, and... Uh, yeah, oh, I even see typewriters and things here. here. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so the heavier stuff downstairs, the lighter stuff up here. What is static books and yeah. stuff here. Now, on the wall in front of us, uh, some, uh, oh, it's, it's Farber, Gelge, Brichten, or the broken Irish, but in clever English. Yeah. The Narco Cuddle Kale and the Strength in Lumbers. Yeah. The Togan Rove and Ainla Rome was built in one day. Yeah. Bull and Tear and the Test Strike, the Iron Hut. The Mara Shields and Beats and Things and Dollars, they appear. The Bian Boog and Do, you can move without hard work. It's hard to know our kind. Business is better than talk. Yeah. Ni helana gui helana skolib. In other words, don't be fixing the roof of your house today. The storm is coming. To suck my land of Hebra. A good start is half the battle of hard work. And the tempest tremor, yeah. I've got to give you a relevance of that. But some years ago, we had a lady in Dublin that fell off the swing. Right. Yes. I remember hearing that in the news. And it was... Excellent, by the way. Another don't do them rebuilding the stairs, you're going out. And be careful. <laughs> Mind yourself. <laughs> Mind yourself. <laughs> oh, years ago, we had a ceremony here in Kilosh, make Glenn's Mill, they were there for a couple of hundred years. They went out of business some years in recent years, but they made all this stuff seaweed, flour, and animal rations. And I see up there a squirrel, grey squirrel. Yeah, it shouldn't be there because a grey squirrel is native. No, it's native of where I am, and we see too many but of them. There's the reason I put it up there. Why did you put it up there? But I do the school here. I tell them to look up there and see if you can see anything wrong with that. Yeah, well, I can see the grey squirrel. That's the wrong. idea. Yeah. First of all, you have the, the cock pheasant. You have the crown quit. Yeah. Which is a fine master in, uh, in English. Okay. You have the stores of the weasel, yeah. then you have the owl, oh, and then you have the okay. grey squirrel. Yeah. And the, the question is, what's wrong with that? Yeah, grey as we see too many of them. And then that's uh, a mink, is it? No, that, that's the sea otter. All right, okay. And you see he's breaking the shells of the, the borders on the shore. Right. The white crows, probably. The seagulls. 
and right here then we have uh, breaking the shells of who on the shore yeah he bre- the, the buds he, 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 get, he, get, he, he lives on fish he runs he out all the seaweed and he eats the, the shell he eats uh, the oysters or anything else like that but he'd also eat bird's nest on the, the right we have uh, the chicken production area oh yeah was here they put 3 million chickens out here every year right and there's the records of the eggs that were purchased and they were up to 70 and 80 percent productive they weren't 100 percent productive you see this 77 76 yeah. 65% if your eggs were consistently 65% uh, there'd be a question and a lady would go out and she'd do a, a, a blood test on your hands oh. so this, this one here is 1952 now when you say she'd do a blood test how would they evaluate a blood test? I don't know but the, the, the lady that gave me that book was the last lady that worked here right. gone out with a modest minor van doing the blood test right. blood test on hens yeah and uh, they had poultry stores the women got the money for the eggs and the men got the money for the milk right but this complex that was the turkey shed over there where they killed all the turkeys for the yeah. and they were exported uh, right. it was a very industrious place here up to 60 or 70 people worked here Right. And when we came in here, all the roofs had fallen down. We've restored all the buildings exactly as they were. We've repaired all the floors. So we've tried to keep things as they were. Now, this is the last building we're restoring at the moment. And this is called the egg store. Look at it here. The egg store. Yeah. And there are two trucks for drawing, mil- drawing the eggs in. And look at, the, look at it here. We're just rebuilding it here at the moment. Down here. See that? So when you say someone would go out and where were the eggs from all the farms around? All the the farms around, yes. So the truck would go out and collect the eggs on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. And there were the different size boxes. Yeah. The lady that passed the gas would have have that size box. Yeah. Um, And and I remember seeing these big old benches that. Uh, where the ledgers are, are yeah. being kept and the writing was fantastic wasn't it I had a very interesting one here lately and a fellow that I w- went to school he was a, a creamy man but his writing was very bad and you could pick up his writing in the book there was a lady in here one day and she was from every field and she was looking and she says God does some of that writing very bad yeah that's Jack Hogan I says from Cree to see <laughs> That was my first cousin, she said. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one thing about the aircraft industry. Do you know in the First World War they fired with, with 303 rifles? One pilot shooting, trying to shoot the other one? No. It started like that. The next thing, they were firing through the propeller off them. One bullet in ten will hit the propeller and cut it that's the statistics so the French got an idea they'd armed this, this is a wooden propeller that's a piece of wooden propeller they'd armed the inside of the propeller at the pint what they're going to be firing through so that helped don't think if a bullet ricocheted off you could get killed so the Germans took it a stage further they, they were trying to get uh, the Germans took a, a French plane and saw the advantage ahead so the Germans created a situation where the gun only fired when the propeller was in a certain position, they timed it with the engine. 
and that that that, that the, 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 the the Germans have all been, been able to maybe not good in winters, but improved like the yes like the yes yes and of course that you was know, a, the, the that was a mechanical yeah the function. best the best engine producers back in the very in the eighteen nineties nineties were the French right and most German vehicles had a French made engine okay uh, and the same the French had had probably the best planes right. And they were they were copied, but that's they're about the Wright brothers in 1903. And this is here you have the history of all the family car machinery families in Ireland going back roughly 100 years. And this is our own place here in the in this road. This is we done all the front with stone. That's mm -hmm. like that when I bought it. And we built all the mats with stone. My two sons run the business now. And this girl is in our office for 45 years. She just listen now. Hit enough, but it's all there about the blue maxim. Yeah. That. Now, if you turn here to, to the back, <coughs> we have uh, the German Iron Cross. Yeah. And the, we also have the Victorian Crosses. And we have the German. <coughs> this, this was handed out to all the Allied officers, right? The problem you had if they captured a German of higher rank, you had to identify what he was. So, uh, this was the man, the, the guidebook. They changed their clothes with a, an enlisted man. Right. I, I, so that they wouldn't get information off them. So they'd sit him down to the underpants, maybe that wasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it gives you the whole lot of the stuff here, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, when you walked in the vehicle downstairs, the rescue vehicle, you got this, see this kind of thing? Yeah. That was a donation. Okay. You could bring it into the shop and get food for your family. Right. Mm -hmm. right. That was it. I see all the old um, coins. coins as well and the um, banknotes, and I remember yeah, counting yeah. those. Yeah, and you had to put all those two as a bank for you to put all those through your system. That's right. Now this is very interesting. Man. That was a new tractor I sold in 26 to 1969. Joseph Wheeler is my name. Yeah. 680 pounds. Yeah. Very interesting. We had a bank strike around that time. You probably remember this. Oh, I do want to eat. Well, that was 1966. Yeah. 69. 69 yeah. was it? Must mm -hmm. be around that time, but anyway. That was the second one. The 66 was yeah, the. I did off a lot of pieces of paper with IOUs. Yes. And I had an accident, and my my eye got damaged with a battery. The hydrogen, the battery exploded, and I was taken with ambulance into Limerick Hospital with my overalls. And when they started to take it out of my pockets, I had all these pieces of paper with IOUs. <laughs> but this one, particular one here, uh, fell down to a thing in our table. We had no government office at that time. Yeah. And it wasn't recovered for a couple of years. But and you managed to lose with another check. Yeah. And that was a, this one was found afterwards. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, when I, when I worked as an aircraft technician, there was 45 in our class. And we, we made this. And the day we were passing out, I didn't know when I got number one place in the class. So that's what I got for it. Fantastic. Have it. Okay. So, Joe, I see a thing I used to have. I remember that on the that oh, was the light yeah, on the bike. Someone's if you hadn't it. Huh? You'll get someone's if you hadn't it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
<laughs> they were the days. Um, they were great times. That's when they were building money plant. All right, yeah. Two, two of my brothers were the subcontractors there. They had a lot of quarries around the country. And every stone is there is three tonne. Oh. Um, they were getting progress reports all the time, so I got them all put together. They also own Cahal Con. Do you know who the convent is down there? No. On the mouth of the Shannon? No. They were going to build an explosive factory that was more than the, the pay for the boat. And they owned the tugboats in the River Shannon, and they had, they had ships drawn, scrapped from Belfast down to Spain. One of my sons spent a year on it. They also on the boats going out from Galway Bay out to the Arden Islands at time. All right. Um, I'm looking here. I, I remember my mother had one of those. Oh, yeah, the knitting machine. Knitting machine. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember seeing her sliding it up and down. And, and, and that people made a living. I was making garments for for for, for uh, woolen garments. Yeah. And then I see some interesting electrical equipment. Yeah, that's some of my instrument stuff when I worked in the aircraft industry. Yeah, that stuff there. And that's what I used. That's the compass of a very old ship. Yeah, that was my area compasses and stuff like that. Instrumentation. The problem Boeing it has at the moment. And then we my area. All uh, piece here with all the different knots. Yeah, that's the the the, the knot. What do they call them? Um, there's a name from. That comes off a very old sailing ship. Yeah, that, that, that uh, pulley. Pulley, yeah. And then the ringer. That's a ringer. That's what you see in the in the modern baby horns. That's yeah. the more, the more yeah. established. Uh, and, and as they progress, the different smaller and then smaller into the house. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, for making sausages. Probably oh. you going back to sausages, Sam, and you could put anything you like into it. Um, anything that we need to be put into that. And. Uh, Fill it up there like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also passed with bits of pieces of fat. Everything into it. Rash as anything they got in the field. Was they made a, a sausage that poured it out and it came out here. Yeah. So they made a. And my mother had one of those things for mincing the beef as well. Yeah. Yeah. When we killed the pigs, we'd make our own puddings and our own sausages and everything. People, people really had everything they wanted. That was a clear champion report, and the last building was put up here out near the road. It's deteriorated now. I got it in the bed state. This is the way testing the milk here in the creamery. You, uh, just before we got electricity here, there was centrifugal force was used. Yeah. You know, when you go to the creamery, they'll take a test of your milk, they'll take uh, a, sample. a sample. Yeah. And if you were mixing water with it, you'd get volume, but you wouldn't get. Um, Fat. Yeah. So they put the, the, the samples into this. Yeah. That's the test tube was calibrated, so they put it in here then. Yeah. And that was turned, and the centrifugal force yeah. would drive the, 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 the cream out to the top. Yeah. And you got to measure the cream, and that was your test. Right. And this here is a later version. When they, got, they hadn't electricity in this cream, we went to establish. So this is a later version, then, when they got electricity, they put a hundred ones in here together, and that. It's electric, electrical and give you test a hundred instead of testing two. Wow. So that was a big advantage. That's the whole history of Ireland to the pre-famine pre, pre period, right up to the shooting of Michael Collins and the settlement. And there's the one that's very important, there's Dan Breen, he, he was a notorious man. Yeah. And you know, 
he went to America and he didn't last long he got involved in the speakeasies and the Italian sent him home <laughs> there was no freebies there no, no. That's the no. Pulse magazine, and this no. one is very interesting. Oh, look at that. Yeah, these were worried. Yeah, the, 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 the vicar is looking at the child and the, and, and the, and the thing, and what's he, what's he say? Another Irish grieving. Yeah. yeah. He said, the child is, said, what are you doing there? And the child is said, my friends are going to rob the vicar's orchard. What does say? How stupid we were. There's the London Illustrated News, uh, and I have a lot of different versions. Show every country in England conquered how the people lived. Yeah. And uh, that was free before our, our uh, cameras came into being. Yeah. I mean, just a massive impact. Like India, China, Canada, America, yeah. Ireland, yeah. Africa. Yeah. I mean, how how could they physically manage all the paperwork? And they did. And they have all those records. They were like the Romans. Yes. They kept all the records and they done everything. They done everything right. They don't left things wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, so what we have upstairs here is more of a. There's a bit of a political history and military stuff. Animals, yeah. 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 yeah you have a set of any any you have. People were very small years ago. Their wrists and hands were yeah. easy, easy. Yeah. And uh, this is a a lamp that some of the RIC would use. And when you wanted to put it in, you wanted to give signals to someone of the customer. You could do it in Moscow or there with this. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if they wanted someone across the river, somehow they could give them information. This is the being at the First World War, being. Hey. That's a military shovel there. This one here is a combination tool. Have you seen one of these before? Uh, I ha- it's something, yeah. No. Okay. Wow. You could use it to hatch it, yeah. Spike someone, yeah. Full of nail, yeah. And you could put back together and you could, you you could dig your, your, uh, your foxhole or you could bury a man. It's a bit like and, a tool. And there's one that was used in the Second World War. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. That's a, a gun for a flare gun. Yeah. And if you looked at the item down the stairs, the the, the rescue vehicle, there's one of those showing the catalogue. Right. And I hadn't it. But didn't they get that off of one of the tugboats from the river before my brother? They dismantled a good few of them. And that came out of a very old one. So it's the same item. So that should be downstairs, by right. This comes. This stuff here comes from... Uh, before bullets were manufactured in uh, factories in large scale, especially for the American Civil War, they made, you get a lump of lead and you went out and you, you heated it and poured it in here and made your own bullet. You got your mug and you put it over the fire and then you put it through that so it didn't get cut in the barrel of the gun. That was your measurement there. Yeah. Make sure there was no crevices in it. Amazing. Amazing. And this is one of the modern bullets. These. Uh, what they hit it, sometimes they hit a target if you did get stuck with one of these balls you were dead I'm sure that would take your backbone and all your yeah. insides yeah. out yeah. but these ones here uh, they put a cross on them to take to make them very effective yeah but uh, really to kill you yeah these ones here these were terrible things yeah they didn't survive there was a the lee uh, mm-hmm. yeah. they said keep your powder dry you kept around your French, French powder egg and uh, keep your powder dry around your 
close to your chest just for making cartridges and that was for dispensing out the wire out to the the trenches in the second world war and that's what brought around the information, the letters and over here you have a very interesting one, this one the soup the fellow put that on his back, he'd be, he'd be a runner and he went around with the soup to the troops and that's a flask a flask, yeah and that, my mother had the commercial version of that yeah, and that's a fairly modern one, I think I think that wouldn't go back to the last war even. Yeah, she, had, she had one and there was three, the one she had, there was three containers inside. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it was that kind of dimensions, yeah. the thing popped off, yeah. And this, this is your, you see the soldiers, yeah. with this, your, 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 uh, and your numbers, your numbers, count. yeah. yeah. That mm -hmm. was a car by lamps with your flat lamps, yeah. your motorbike, or your bicycle. Now there's an interesting photograph there because that's Michael Collins' armour car there Yeah And Harry Ferguson had a place in Dublin selling Vauxhall cars Right In the 1920s And he's right behind the Henry's photograph mm -hmm. These are all the, the French and the Spaniards and what they thought of us Now there's a very good one here there's a lady come, she's a history teacher, she comes here every year, she's not older than me now, but she drives a, a, a little Toyota Yaris. So she came here a few years ago, when the Brexit thing was going on. And here's the first World War, was about, that was the time we were looking for uh, home rule. And here's John Bull, one of the tides of the first World War approaching. The Tory party sitting upon a rock of sand, controlled by Darren Jordan and the Nat. And how relevant it was, even for Brexit. Yeah. Mm. She brought that. And look, read the caption, yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. Isn't that oh. oh my God. Yeah. History repeating itself. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. It is indeed. But it's mm -hmm. a lovely subject, actually. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is. And then, um, are you all the little buses in the boxes? These are all, all the models. These yeah. are all the books here, of, uh, and we have. Caesar's uh, escapade in England and all this. I remember when we went to school, we done Latin to Irish. We done everything to Irish except Shakespeare for the leave. We done Shakespeare in English and the prose and everything else to Irish. History, science, and everything else. And when I joined there, the, the fallen, first morning, uh, the fellow that was teaching us, and he said, Anyone here knows Biles now? And of course, I stood up like, right quick. The Leon Wheelie got going to choke the Hey, young fella. <laughs> young fella. Will you sit down, he says. There's 45 more in this class, he says. They don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And you probably don't know yourself, he says. <laughs> I said, I got some Irish. <laughs> and of course, Boyle's Law, Boyle was County Waterford. Yeah. See this? Yeah. Wheeling Brothers, the cast I was Clare and Kelly, so we built it, our family built it. And if you look there for Tesco's now, yeah. we used to have a crazy golf course and a pitch and put course on that side. That's Kevin now here in the garage. And uh, we had 18 different monuments for that. The Gollerus and Ding, the Regina's Tower and Waterfall, the Rock of Cashel, and the Breastplate. And every, as you played through them, you learned your history. 
in the 18th century. We were all the history. We got an award for the church camp, but we didn't. Oh. We didn't get any political awards. I don't like politicians. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned down the Tim to come in here and said, No, I don't want any photographs. I don't think I'd be popular with politicians. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the cage we used to catch in the salmon. Yeah. And uh, so there's these are the fisheries for catching uh, yeah. quail, quail and tools. Yeah. And these are other items that we use for catching salmon. We didn't use any of those. We, yeah. we had the best way of catching salmon. And now, now we're into the technology corner down here, and we have the old pie radio. Yeah. And, and uh, the wit, the wit, the batteries. Yeah, I well, that's, uh, well, they weren't around my time. But when we were kids, we'd be sent to town with the back of the bike. Right. And there'd be a match on and Sunday, and if the wit battery fell off the, the, the back of the bike and got broke, you daren't go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then I recognised the old paraffin heater. Yeah, relatively modern, yeah. Yeah, and then all the different typewriters. I was listening to some programme recently, and they were saying that... Uh, using typewriters and nearly coming back in well the written word rather than the computer but yeah, using the, type I, 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 the typewriter I, I, I like the old fashioned way yeah. I suppose we're dated now <laughs> we're dated in our ways thanks to the God yeah. <laughs> and oh, those, those kids put the math and violin together right. I said the important thing is to know what counties are missing when you're finished because they're, they're, it's done on purpose there's a lot of things done here in purpose you see yeah we'll find them but there's a lady here she's an American lady she does those paintings and she's teaching her kids at home ok unbelievably smart and they're that size yeah and they come in here and they know everything about this and what this was mm. unbelievable mm. it's a very old map of Ireland now you, you, it should be before year 10 going to school even but look at the names that's written and the names of the places yeah it's just interesting compared with the the, one, the ones even when I've gone to school that's uh, very interesting that and yeah. that's an interesting one yeah. and do you yeah. know that's interesting give me a minute as clear as in Connacht yeah that's what I was looking at already because it's yeah and there's five provinces in that you see the province of Mead? Okay. West Mead and East and, and Mead was one place one time. Yeah, and they're and part of County Dublin, not County yeah. Dublin. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, that's uh, why they're Quig. We call it Quigger, yeah. yeah. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Quigger line. Well, well I'll tell you one thing, I have teachers in here and they don't know that. Right. It's amazing how limited their, 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 their knowledge is. I remember my school bag. That was nearly the standard. It was, yeah, but we, we, when we were in secondary school, you'd go to the, the shoemaker in the for this fancy leather school bag. Yeah. All real good leather. Oh, yeah. It's a pig's leather, the same as the football. And to be that's, and you'd be carrying this lump of books after you. Now, it was all right if you were, but some kids were very small and weak. And I'd say, hungry at home. Right. Yeah. Yes. And other yeah. places where there was a council house and there were six young lads inside it. Yeah. And one person, maybe six some of the time. Yeah. We, we, we went to school you never had any conception of that because you were never told about it no. yeah. and they are the young days that got whacked going to school as well. yeah. they got yeah. beat because yeah. they hadn't this and they hadn't that when you think yeah. back about it I know you say know. that why wouldn't we made more aware of it yeah. but to survive the fittest it was, yeah. it was. like the non-speaking for it 
that was for um, yeah. lighting in the hair. We yes, I remember yeah. that. And that's an earlier visual. That was called the Widowmaker as well for some reason. Right. It was very dangerous. You'd, that was used in Wicklow water for the Wicklow. Although my mother had that in her farm when she was a child. And the problem was in the west of Ireland, you'd be travelling with the horse going along maybe five miles an hour, collecting up the hay. It was much more efficient than clean a rake than that one. Which was stuck again in a bogdale stick, you were still marking at five miles an hour. And next thing you had turned up and oh. to the reef here. Oh. And the aeroplane came down and done big in the 1940s. It, th- that time the American Air Force had a place in, in um, Lock, Lock, um, up alongside Maguire's Castle in Fermanagh. All right. And uh, th- there was a, a U boat operating out of between the big and, and, and that area along the west coast. So they come down, they were told to find us, but they ran low on fuel and the crash landed in big and there are two control rods off it. To the Sunderland flying boat. There's a photograph of there somewhere. Most of the crew died died they were very closely. That's it there. And they could have landed in the bog you know. What happened to them? One of the, 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 the pontoons under, we call it the floats, yeah. they stuck against something, I think, the big castle, and it knocked off. So if they went to land in, they turned upside down. So they crash landed in a winter's eve, eh? and the plane went out to sea. And, and I know you have to land and t- you have to take off a land against the wind, but they should have taken a chance and tried it the other way, and they might have been driven up on the shore, but there you are. Well, Joe, we we should kind of finish up on this because we're, um, otherwise we we could be running this into a an, uh, um, marathon. Yeah, we. <laughs> but it's been a, a fantastic tour of the the um, museum here, and this if it's a proud you must be of what you've been able to put together. Well, it's, it's done now. Hello, how are you? I, d- and, uh, I, d- I don't think I'd start to do it again. But no, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. And thanks a million for taking the time. It's been a real honour.